Welcome, everyone. Hope you're doing well, enjoying the cold, enjoying the wind as well. If you're sitting at home and you're nice and warm, do make the most of it. If you could have seen me a couple of nights ago and it was really windy, like a grumpy old man, one o'clock in the morning, shutting the gate about four times between one and three o'clock in the morning. Oh, dear me. It was bad. In your gym jams, in your slippers. Could we bother to put a coat on, T-shirt and shorts? Oh, terrible. Leaves everywhere. Painting a picture. All right. But now I'm good. Happy. Here, standing here to chat to us about the next part of our Advent series. So, please do buckle in. This is a great theme to this talk. And because Advent, Christmas time, is such an important time for us to understand God's message of love for us. So, let's take it away, shall we? Well, first of all, I just want to cast our minds back to the early 80s, where I was in primary school. And I just want to share this very quickly. I like a little primary school story. And uh, this little slide will come up in a moment. Now this, okay, and now I know this isn't really a Christmas theme, but I just want to tell you a little bit about this. This chap here on the left is Adam and the Ants, the lead singer for that. Now, I was into Adam and the Ants, not just because his name was Adam, but because they were a very modern band, and the, the videos they used to do along with their music was very cutting edge, very colorful and lively. And we had a school summer's fete, and it was a fancy dress fete, where each class could come in fancy dress to uh, the schoolyard. And that there is a picture of me when I was probably about 10 years old. I'm Adam and the Ant in the middle of the yellow T-shirt and the white stripe across my nose. Now, I thought this is gonna be good, cutting edge. You know, this is like new, this is fresh off, you know, off the press here. So I was gonna win this, no problem at all. And uh, of course, my friends and stuff, they turned up, you had your standards, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, they all turned up, which is great, they didn't win. I love in the homemade Spider-Man there, top left. Uh, Superman. <laughs> Sending a child to school like that, come on. The kids will make fun of you, honest. <laughs> So yeah, so we turn up, so you had all these guys, you had, you got two cowboys thrown in the mix, you've got to have a couple of cowboys, and they've gone on to be builders, actually, funnily enough. They yeah, am really. <laughs> and then, okay, so, so that was it. Now, I knew I was in trouble when we, we had to line up in front of this table with the judges, and the judges were three old women in their like 60s and 70s, oh, sorry, no, that's not old, 60s, it's young. They were in their 80s, 90s, perhaps 100 even. And they were judging this um, competition. I thought, oh, I've got this in the bag. I knew I was in trouble when I stood in front of them and one of the women said, are you a clown? Because <laughs> of the paint on my face, I thought, oh, oh well, maybe next year. <laughs> Uh, but the reason why I want to tell you about this story, because can you see that little, a little pal of mine just with his chin on my left shoulder, David, Die Thomas, we should call him, because that was his name. He was a shepherd. And David ran away with the prize. He won it, dressed as a shepherd in the middle of summer. <laughs> so I just want to use that as an illustration, just for us to understand how important it is to be a shepherd in all walks of life, in all seasons, as we come into talking about this story today, all right? So, of course, the Advent season, for many of us, that is our only recollection of the, the nativity scene, as if for many, perhaps who are unchurched, or don't really understand the story of God's love and mission to rescue his people. We, you know, these are the kind of the themes, perhaps we're very familiar with, especially in the West, uh, and, you know, our nativity plays in school, isn't it? So, you know, 
Children would, would love like the Joseph, to, to nail the Joseph part, or the Mary part, you know, you're doing well if you get those. If you haven't nailed those parts, then well, perhaps a wise man, you know, that's, that's up there as well, that's a good one. Or, you know, if you didn't get that far and you've got a shepherd as well, come on, that's fair play, you, you got a good, you got a good part there, shepherd, isn't it? Now, you know, my kids were like, I think one was plus a sheep, one was a star. So I think, no, no, we did do a myriad once, in fairness, too, so well done. But, of course, you know, getting the kids to join in and enjoying, that's very important. But the shepherd's role, perhaps we're only used to seeing it at that nativity stage. So I want to try and explain this morning the significance of the shepherd's influence and participation in this part of the story of leading into this Christmas um, series that we're doing now. So we've already looked at Mary's perspective and her willingness to say yes to God, the strength of character within her, the want to allow God to use her in her life. And we've listened great from last week about Joseph and how Joseph was a yes man before God, a man of action, a man of responsibility, a man of integrity. And today we want to look at the shepherds and their part of this story and the significance of their role. So let's take a look together as I read from Luke 2, chapters 8 through to 20. And it'll come on the screen there as well. Okay, here we go. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen. And they were just as they had been told. So heard and seen of what they'd been told. So this is a real significant thing to happen to them. Amazing. This is the most amazing things perhaps has been written down in history, or I think so anyway. Perhaps even more amazing by the fact that the earth has formed and made in creation, and there's just a little slide that'll come up there now, just to show the amazing um, creation that God has, has made in the world. But now we've got this story of God actually coming to earth, Jesus coming to earth, and this is like gonna impact generations, people, everyone, for the time to come. So Jesus' birth, coming to earth, the creator has come to his creation with a mission of love, with a mission of reconciliation 
of man to himself. So this is like huge, which is happening here. History unfolding. God coming to seek and to save the lost. Those struggling, needing hope and needing rescue in their lives. And here, you know, the, the shepherds have been entrusted with this message. So this story, John's gospel puts it like this. And I just want to reflect upon, you know, the Christmas story and Jesus being born into the the bigger, wider picture of what it says in the gospel of John in chapter one. I'm going to read it for us. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this word here, the word is Jesus. And these verses talk about God's influence in creating the world. Jesus being part of creation and being coming into the world which is fantastic, and it is, sometimes it's mind-blowing. And the reason I like to talk about this chapter, these were the verses that really instilled upon me that Jesus is real. He is God's Son. He's part of the Trinity. God has not only created the world, but He has walked the world. And when we see Jesus, we see the heart of the Father. We see our Creator God at work. And how, who is this God? What is his character? Well, when we see Jesus, we are seeing God at work. We are seeing him mending the brokenhearted and having love and compassion on the poor. And seeing those who are struggling in life, having a message of hope, of love, of forgiveness and compassion. And here, I love these verses. And these are the verses which made me understand God's love and understand that I could put my faith in Jesus and turn to him for my life. And that was such a special time. And I've been living these last many years following him. And John goes on to explain a little bit more, which I'm going to read to us from verses 10. Talking about Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So fantastic verses there helps us understand Jesus' involvement in our lives, that any of us can receive him for ourselves. We could put our faith in him. And we have this, this is a statement that when we put our faith in Jesus, we become those who, like like a new creation, I suppose, that we come to a place of love and forgiveness, and we can be those who have a relationship with God. Jesus is at work there, then, now, today, and every day. And John records the majesty of God. And that there's this simple fact that many will receive Jesus and others will not. But it's our own decisions whether we uh, do that or not. So the message of Jesus' birth is entrusted to who? Is this message entrusted to the local newspapers? No. 
Is it the head of the Jewish council? No. Is it the rich and the famous of the day? No. Was it the priests and the scribes who were told first about this news and this birth? No, it wasn't. The message of his birth, this message of hope and joy and peace, is declared to some anonymous shepherds who are watching their flocks at night. So why the shepherds? Were they the immaculate, clean, and crisp shepherds that we used to see in at the nativity play with their mum's best tea towel wrapped around their heads? No, not quite. What was it like to be a shepherd around the time of Christ's birth? Well, as a fact, it was a tough job. It was out in the elements, out in the fields, out in, in the, you know, in the surrounding areas there, raising and caring for the flocks, the sheep. Antisocial hours, working in amongst the dirt and the grime and the grit, dealing with injury, dealing with shepherding in the sheep, protecting them from thieves and from protecting them from predators as well. A tough, difficult job. And what was kind of the thanks to the shepherds at that time and the society around them? Well, they were pretty much outcasts, basically. So, you know, knowing that... Um, you know, their jobs were dirty and difficult and all the rest of it. Like, at the time, their jobs made them known as being, like, ceremonially unclean, which just meant that they couldn't partake in the uh, temple kind of rituals for weeks at a time. Their jobs were dirty and smelly and hands-on and dealing with the nitty-gritty of sheep's life. And, um, but for the shepherds, there was something special about them, something humble, something real about their lives, and here we see this amazing impact that the angels, that God wanted to get this message to the shepherds that Jesus had been born. So, the, you know, why tell the shepherds? Well, there's some great parallels when we think about it. We think about hardworking people, those who were looking for something, they were looking for a Messiah at that time, to, for a Savior to make a difference in their situations, in Roman occupation and all the, you know, the stuff that was being thrown towards them. When we think about Jesus being a shepherd and looking after people, you know, we're known as like sheep, in one for a better word, because we're his flock and he wants to care for us and help us in our lives and help us be cared for and protected as well. So there's this great parallel to, to speak this message to the shepherds. And these weren't the religious guys at the time. They, you know, didn't know all the facts and the figures and everything else about leading a religious life, but they were humble. They were looking for a relationship with God. And they were amazed when they found out about this story of birth of Jesus. So they were prepared to give glory to God and to receive this good news message. And it came to the shepherds for them to start spreading this good news. So that's kind of like the story and the, and the, and the background to what was happening. So now I just want to look at two key points from the story to help us along our way, okay? Today, just to encourage us and um, help us reflect upon what God was doing here. So first of all, good news is always welcome, isn't it? Do you like receiving good news? Surely, we, we do, don't we? We like good news. It's important. What about when your Amazon parcel has been delivered and you get that email? Your parcel, was it great? Was it not so great? Look, I don't care. You've delivered it. I'm pleased, okay? I'm not going to press some of these buttons. I only takes me off and I've got to sign this on the other. No. All right, great. It's good news. We've got a package. We paid for and we got, and now that helps us use for whatever it is we've ordered. Fantastic. 
What happens when we drive past the, 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 the petrol garage and the price of diesels come down and not gone up? That is good news, isn't it? It's nice when that happens. <laughs> it's good. I like it. But a moment of happiness can be temporary and fleeting. We like to be happy, but those moments can come and they can go. So what about this life-changing good news? Life-changing good news that causes joy. Let's just look at those verses for a moment, 9 and 10. We see here that the, the verse says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So this amazing kind of situation here where, you know, the angels have turned up, the heavenly hosts have turned up, that you could just imagine the majesty and the splendor of God and being displayed. It talks about, you know, God's glory shone around them. There was this overwhelming presence. At first, they looked really fearful. And it just, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. It was a little bit of a paradox. A paradox is when something seemingly like strange or absurd or contradictory when you look at it and you investigate, it will actually, it proves well-founded or it's true. So here we've got the glory of God and angelic visitation and this like overwhelming, surrounding, amazing display of God at work. And this all happens to the outcasts, the shepherds up on the hill looking after their flocks at night. So you've got this like story now that is starting to blow people's minds a bit because it just, you know, does this make sense? So those who are barred from God's presence at the temple because they're unclean are now standing in the glory of God. They're standing in the glory of God and that is such an amazing gift. It's an amazing expression of God's heart to us that in all his glory, in all his majesty, in all his splendor, he wants to give that to those who are humble, to those who want to know him, have a heart for him, who are struggling or having difficulty. And God wants this message of love and truth and forgiveness given to people. It's amazing. This is an amazing part of the story here. And it talks about how the shepherds were afraid. Would you be afraid in that situation? You know, put your mind, you see the glory of God, you see angels, you see the, the heavenly horse, the company of the heavenly horse, and they're there. And I would be frightened. You know, I don't know about you, but it doesn't take a lot to frighten me sometimes. You know, stick, stick me somewhere high, like a stepladder, this stage, you know, heights and all that. Don't like heights. The sea. Some people love the water and the sea. Stick me on a boat on the sea, I'd be shaken. I don't like the sea. Can't swim very well. Rats, I hate rats. They're horrible little creatures, aren't they? One run up my sleeve once when I was a kid. Oof. Little baby one. Anyway, that's why I don't like rats. Snakes. Oh, I hate snakes with a passion. Anyway, those are my, my fears. Just do a bit of therapy. There we go. But I'm sure all of us have different fears in life, don't we? Different things. I know some people are scared of spiders. It doesn't have to be a spider. It can just be a little bit of web. Sticks to your face, you know what I mean? Ugh, spiders, yeah, I'm scared, all right? So these guys are scared. They're, you know, really, something has really frightened them here. But this message is one of good news. And the angels want to say, look, we bring in good news, great joy to all the people. And here, Jesus' birth is starting off straight away a message of love a message of God's heart being displayed to humankind, reaching out to the untouchables. 
and we all benefit and receive God's love in this way. So the birth of Jesus is the good news because he's the Messiah. It sparks joy. It's, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Joy is bigger. Joy is deeper. It's much more stable than happiness. Happiness can be temporary. It can be fleeting. It can be circumstantial. Lots of things can make us happy. A great meal can make us happy. I'm sure Ben, when Ben was here doing the Bush Tucker trial earlier, Ben is a well-known vegan. To, to be eating those jelly beans with all those flavors must have been like, you know, a party in the mouth, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, Ben. Speak to me later if you're upset. But a great meal brings us joy, you know, it's happiness, a lovely chat, a time spent with friends. We love that, don't we? It's good. It brings us joy, it brings us happiness. A good laugh, watching our favorite comedian or comedy on TV. These things make us happy. But these things can come and go, and they can be ended abruptly. What about if my next meal is bad? The next meal has been overcooked or burnt or tastes dodgy. The, the veggie burger has been undercooked. I'm upset with my friend. We've had a disagreement. All of a sudden, our happiness has turned to you know, worry and concern and upset. The TV program with my favorite comedian has just ended, and now I've got a text message, which is very stressful or upsetting. And that happiness can disappear in a moment. But joy is different. Joy is something that can be cultivated in our lives. An attitude of heart and spirit. A spiritual discipline and position. It's a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy. It's peace, it's forbearance, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits and the signs and the hallmarks of the Holy Spirit at work in us. When we consider the fruit of a tree, if you've got a pear tree, we get pears, we have got an apple tree, you get apples. When the fruit of the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, we see these things coming out of our lives so when we are not loving or we're not joyful and we don't have peace and we're not kind to others and we're not, you know, we, we not, don't care whether we're good or not or whether we're faithful or not, we have no gentleness, we have no patience, we have no self-control, we do what we want, say what we want, doesn't matter who we damage in the process. Those fruits are like, <laughs> that is not fruitful, that is not the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. So these are the things that we can develop in our lives and joy is one of them. So it's not to be heavy-hearted or feel discouraged in that, but the Holy Spirit does want to work in and through our lives. God encourages us to see these things displayed in our lives, no matter of our feelings, whether we're happy or we're sad. These are the true foundational fruits of the Holy Spirit for us. So each of us here will have our own story to tell about Jesus at work in our lives and to know joy in our lives. And in our story of faith, and in our journey of faith, maybe joy was implanted into us many years ago. And we're finding that is flowering and getting more and more fruitful as life goes by. I have a story about putting my faith in Jesus as a teenager. And the joy that was instilled in me came along these kind of paths. First of all, the truth that God is a loving God who created the earth and created people to know him. That was something I didn't know before. And since reading the Bible and hearing about God's love, I changed my mind. And I said, yes, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. And also, 
I realize God does want to know us and did create us, which is brilliant. The truth that a loving God helped us see him through Jesus being delivered into a broken, struggling world. That brought me joy, that God loves us so much that he has sent Jesus into the world so that we can know him. And also that there's this deep meaning and purpose to life, that it wasn't just about going to work and coming home and watching TV and playing a bit of sport. There was a lot more to life than just doing those day-to-day things. There was this whole thing now about having purpose in God, living our lives faithful to him, and that in the whole journey of the days that we have to walk this earth, we can know God, have a relationship with him, and make a difference in the world around us. That brought me great joy and still does. So countless people found joy through Jesus. As we read through the Gospels of the New Testament and in Acts, we read so many accounts of people's lives being changed and transformed by Jesus at work. We read about in Simon the Pharisee's house that a lady came in and anointed Jesus' feet. She washed his feet with her tears. She'd had a troubled past, and there she was, giving her all um, emotions, her story to Jesus, just through this symbolic washing his feet with her tears, with her hair, and then anointing his feet with expensive perfume. And money wasn't an object. She was pouring out her heart, her appreciation, and her love to Jesus. And her life was changed and transformed. We hear about so many people who were healed physically by Jesus and his work at his hand. Blind Bartimaeus healed The Samaritan woman at the well, again, a very checkered life, but Jesus met with her and brought her truth of love and acceptance, and to drink from his life would bring transformation and change, his love and his kindness and his input and his forgiveness, that we can find that God can give us the stuff that we need to survive in life. Zacchaeus up a tree, a little man who was ripping people off with money, ate with Jesus, went to his, Jesus went to his house, and his life was changed by the acceptance and listening to, to, to Jesus talking. Nicodemus, the Pharisee, member of the Sanhedrin, a religious man, knew the rules and regulations, the law, and where many were struggling with Jesus, Nicodemus was curious. He went to Jesus at night and asked him, you know, what is, you know, who are you? What's going on? And Jesus explained about how we can have a spiritual rebirth in life when we come to faith in him. And Nicodemus was challenged. And he really went through, you know, all of his life of, of doing this religious thing. But Jesus was bringing a message of forgiveness, a message of love, and a message of change. And Nicodemus, we read, comes to put his faith in Jesus and stood up for Jesus in the temple. And after Jesus was, you know, when he died, that Nicodemus was involved in embalming his body and, and, and all this kind of stuff. So his journey of faith. People's lives changed and transformed for the better. And the shepherds were the first to share in this good news. And they would be the ones who would be the initial ones to go out and share this good news of birth. So, just like the shepherds, we can be confident that God wants us to know the good news of Jesus for ourselves, that we might experience a deep joy in our lives, in happy times and sad, and that depth of joy is one that comes from the truth of Jesus. 
and then finally growing and developing joy in our life, just like the fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in us. So that's the first little bit, joy. Next, we're going to talk and look at this message of peace that Chloe introduced the meeting with earlier on. So this was the next bit that I wanted to look at this morning, and the verses are just coming up there. And it says in verse 14, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So here we see that God has been honored and worshipped in front of the shepherds by the angels and all this. And it's a very powerful vision if we think for a moment. And what I love is this declaration here, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So I just want to look at that peace. You know, what does that mean for us today? Well, first of all, this particular word here in the Greek, Irene is the pronunciation, and it talks about the Messiah's peace, his peace, his salvation prepared in heaven for us. So this is a very foundational idea for us to understand today, that as we're being saved by God in our lives, that it is like something that is coming from heaven, heaven's peace for us to be lived out on the day-to-day and in the day-to-day. It's something that God brings into our lives that can help us in our lives to experience peace in our lives and in our hearts. And it is like a heavenly peace. And that is something that comes out of the fact that Jesus has done the hard work for us. It is there for us just to accept him in a simple way. And a couple of years ago, I was introduced to this comedy called Friday Night Dinner. I don't know if anyone has seen it, okay? It had been out for a few years. I hadn't heard of it, and I started watching it a bit. So it's a comedy series based around a Jewish family, and they meet together as a family on a Friday night. The two sons there, they come around from their separate homes to meet with the parents, and this guy, Jim, is like a really funny, bizarre character, but a lovable one as well. And he just wants you, as you watch the program, he just wants to be part of the family, to be loved and accepted, but he is really unusual guy. But uh, so they, from time to time, you know, he wants to get involved, you know, and, and partake in some of the little Jewish traditions that they have. And there's this theme running through it um, all the way along. He's desperate to join in. And one of the phrases that he has learned is the phrase shalom. Okay, for anyone who's watched the program, it'd be, you know, it's one of the punchlines of the program. Shalom. And of course, shalom is the Jewish greeting upon, you know, arriving somewhere or saying goodbye. Uh, to someone, and that shalom word means peace. So at the surface level, yeah, we get what peace is, but there's, with this kind of word, it means a lot more than just, you know, be at peace. It means well-being. So when we greet and we go, well, I want the best for you, that your well-being is good, that you have health in your life and experience health, prosperity and security in your life as well, to have soundness, and have completeness in your life. All these great aspects of peace. And these are the things I believe God wants us to experience and know in our lives as well. To know well-being. To know health and prosperity and security and soundness and completeness within our lives and within our relationships as well. So peace again is also a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy and peace all go together hand in hand. And sometimes we can feel robbed of joy or robbed of peace in our lives. And I would be sure that most of us here have experienced this on occasions and maybe more so recently in recent months. 
So I don't know if you're sitting here today and feel, oh, do you know what? I'm robbed a bit of my peace at the moment. I'm robbed of my joy. There's something that's really playing on my mind, a situation that isn't changing or something has happened or I'm really dealing with this difficulty. And that sometimes can rob us of the peace, can't it? It can rob us of joy in life. I've lost my joy. I've lost my peace. I'm a little bit, you know, feeling the dark here. But that is not the way God wants us just to struggle on in. He does want us to know his peace in our lives, to know that he loves us and cares for us. And in those difficult, dark, difficult times, that differences can be made and changes can happen. Chloe, earlier on, and read out Philippians 4, 6 to 7, which I also want to read here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and condition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this whole thing here about being anxious, being concerned, worried, frightened, and the mind keeps on playing this out in our situations. Well, there's some practical advice here in those struggles and difficulties to pray to God and to continue to pray and don't let go of God and continue and continue and continue to pray. And what happens is as we meditate before God and to see the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, something, I suppose, supernatural happens. The peace of God, which transcends our understanding, takes we don't get it. We're trying to work the situation out. We want to press a switch and it's fixed. But that's not happening. But what can happen is we can pray. And sometimes then in our hearts and our thinking and in our spirits, we find that the peace of God is starting to come into my soul and into my spirit, bringing me rest and giving me peace of mind. And I'm finding that I'm not continually playing this record of stress and anxiety because now I'm giving it to God and I'm focusing my mind on Him. And it might be easily said, not so easily done, but when we stop and when we continue to pray before God, His peace can enter our hearts and enter our minds. And we find that the power and presence, forgiveness, and peace of God will come to us and we'll experience that in our hearts and in our minds. And for anyone who's ever experienced anxiety or difficulty and, and things like this, this is a huge game changer in our experience of life when we know the peace of God and experience the peace of God. So pray about it, pray it out. The peace of God will come even if we can't reason it out for ourselves. So it's almost like a spiritual discipline, for want of a better word. We're open and have the time for the presence of God. And in Luke 8, there's a, there's a story of a woman who was unwell. She had an issue of bleeding, a health issue that meant she actually she'd been bleeding for many years. And we read in this story, as Jesus was along the way and the crowds are around him, that this lady had managed to get through and got her arm onto the edge of Jesus' robe. And him thinking, if only she could touch Jesus' robe, she would be healed. And this happens, and she immediately gets healed, this chapter in Luke says. And the power of Jesus, it comes out and into her and she is healed from this situation. 
And Jesus uses this as a lesson as well as like a life-changing situation for this lady. He uses it as a way of explaining to the people around him at the time. Because for this woman, again, like the shepherds being ceremonially unclean because of her health issue, Jesus was making changes here. He was making and making a bold statement to those around him that when she touched him, she was healed. And the significance at the time was, look, a woman, when she was going through this part or period of her, of her cycle or what have you, this would be a ceremony unclean situation. And Jesus, like, for her to come and actually touch his robe, that was like, she shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> but she was going for it because she needed change in her life because she was like, you know, that would affect her life. She would be an outcast. She would be, you know, she wouldn't be, be hugged and blessed and enjoy the comforts of friendship and relationship. So you can imagine she led quite a, an upset in life, I suppose. But now, Jesus had just healed her. And he had changed her life like that. And what was interesting is as we get to the end of that story and this story of the woman's life, Jesus says to her this, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in peace. And when that lady washed Jesus' feet and anointed him with oil and with her tears, again Jesus said to her, Go in peace. Go in peace. So we see this theme of peace that Jesus brings to our lives. And he would say that to us today. In our lives, in our struggles, in our difficulties, the things that, which have caused us concern, he would say this to us, go in peace. Know my love. Know my forgiveness. Know my healing. Know the relationships I've called you into know the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives and know this peace that he can give us and the world can't. So, let's remember then that we are called into Christ's peace for our lives, which is a heavenly peace that overlaps from heaven into our earthly lives. That when we feel robbed of joy and robbed of peace, we can come to God in prayer in every situation of our lives. And some things can be worked through through our conversations and through our relationships and learning how to speak well of one another and how we forgive one another and we don't hold on to upset or offense. Sometimes you can have a conversation we feel offended by a person and rather than deal with that in a mature, kind way, we hold on to the offense instead and cause a barrier and a problem with our friends or family or whoever it may be, a boss or what have you. So there's certain things we can do to work things out ourselves easily to know peace. But there are some other things, obviously, that we have to pray about and ask God's help in. So just finishing off the talk, just to remind ourselves and summarize, the shepherds were invited to see the baby Jesus, and they spoke this good news to the people around them when they'd seen the, the manger, seen the baby, and the angels. They went to spread the good news. This good news produces joy within us. And what are the things that attempt to rob our joy and how we can then live in that deeper understanding of giving those things to God and asking his help in them. And then finally, let in peace fill our hearts today. Peace that brings about well-being, health, 
security, prosperity, soundness, and completeness for our lives. Those are the things, you know, we can pull out of this kind of Advent series uh, today. So let's close our eyes, and I shall pray uh, before handing back to Chloe. Yes, so thank you so much that your input into the world where Jesus came in, was born for a huge purpose of us knowing you in our lives. That this morning we take on board and listen to this message of joy and message of peace which we can all accept in you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we can take this time now to give to you those concerning items of our lives and those concerning relationships and difficulties which have caused us anxiety and upset. And we ask you, Lord, that we would persevere in prayer and see you at work in our lives and in our situations. And we thank you for those times, Lord, where when the, you know, the chips are down and things are against us, that we can come to you again with a fresh sense of faith and a fresh sense of hope in a real way. So we give you those things right now as an act of obedience and an act of um, giving you like responsibility and input into those situations, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we pray right now for that like supernatural peace that comes upon us, which transcends our understanding at times, you know, how we try and work things out with our own minds. And we give you those things in faith. And we thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for this season of time where we really are those recipients of your love into this world. We are the recipients of that good news message. We are those who will receive a new life. We become new creations when we come to have faith in you, Jesus. And we continue to allow you to input our journeys in such a real way. Amen.